And, uh, and, and I can't wait to share the rest of the dream, but just really significant in the season we're in and a prophetic dream there. Anyway, uh, my wife's pregnant, and we're due in, in November, and Destiny, she's due, like, tomorrow. <laughs> we have others, and who knows, we might have more. So be careful drinking the water from the drinking fountain here. It's the water of life. Anyway... There's birthing pains. There's, there's physiological things that happen in a woman's body. There's things that shift. There's all these things. And I preached transition a few months ago and talked about some of these. In and, 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 and labor and delivery, it's painful. And it's, you're like, are you going to get through this? But then once you get through it and you see that baby's face and you hold that, that gentle, pure, living being that God created inside you. Then every bit of the pain, every bit of the change, every bit of the nausea early on, every bit of that is forgotten in a moment, mostly. <laughs> Nonetheless, you have this baby and every bit of it was worth it. Every bit of the agony, every bit of the pain, every bit of the experience, every bit of the change in your woman's body, every bit of the, the moodiness and the grumpiness and everything that I'm experiencing right now. It's worth it once you hold that baby. She's been really good. But once you hold that baby, it's worth it because it's a new life. It's refreshing. It's pure. And I believe that's what God's birthing in the church right now. He's birthing a new life, a rejuvenation, a refreshing, a harvest, a seed that was meant to be planted but meant to produce harvest, not just to be dead in the ground, not into the parable of the seed and the sower where it falls on thorny ground and thistles and flat ground and rocky and all these different things. But it's falling on good ground, and I believe that's where we are right now, that it's birthing something good. So that's the point of intimacy with God, It's to birth something new. It's a fresh infilling. Matt speaked on returning to your first love, doing your first love over, you know, doing that. And it was a good message a few weeks ago. And I'm just saying that intimacy is for something, and it always leads to an encounter. And I believe that's where we are now, and I'll go in detail maybe another day to what God was dropping in me uh, last week. But I'm just saying, intimacy comes with a purpose. First off is unity. God wants us to be unified with him. He wants us to be connected to the Father. He wants us to have that bridge. Jesus paid the price so that the bridge could be connected, and we have no eternal separation at all. No separation from his love with the Father. Unity. Second thing is pleasure. He wants to fill us up to where we can just be drunk. We can be so full. The point of being full is so you can leak. It's not just this cup to the full, it says overflow, to leak out, to pour out onto others. So then the next thing is purpose. He wants to impregnate us with something for purpose, to birth something new, something good, and something beautiful. So let me just read a few scriptures and we're going to get through this. So I'm going to go John 17 and I'm probably going to paraphrase this. Then we're going to stick in John and be in 15. Everybody say, I am a winner. You certainly are. God's not got you here today by accident. You're here on purpose, for purpose. So I am, this is, this is where Jesus is praying and he's praying to the Father. And, uh, and, and really the heart of the Father is that his prayer can be fulfilled. So, so that we can connect. And he's saying, you know, I'm praying not only for these disciples. And by the way, this is John 17, 20 through 24. I'm praying not only for these disciples, but I'm praying for also who will ever believe in me. So he's praying for all the believers out there. And he says, I pray that they will all be one just as you and I are one. You and me, Father, and I am in you. 
I may, and may they be in us that the world will believe and sent them. I have given them the glory you gave me, so they may be one as we are one. So he's saying, I am in you, you are in me. Let them be in us as we're in each other. So he's saying, we, we have this connection of unity. We have this intimate connection. We are one flesh. And he's saying, but Father, I want them to be one with us as you and I are one. That's the Father's heart. That's the Father's desire for us to be one. And guess what? When we're one with him, our problems disappear. When we're intimate with God, in that encounter, there is no fear. In the encounter with Papa God, there is no anxiety. There is no, no problems. There's no stress. There's no pressure. And I was just soaking God's glory yesterday with my family, and we were, man, we had so much fun. And I'm in the pool yesterday, and Nicole and I are just talking. We're just talking about abiding, and we're just talking about the goodness of God. And then all of a sudden, we actually, she fell asleep for a minute. She's in the pool. Poof, water was freezing cold, too. I'm thinking, how'd she do that? She's just resting. Because in his presence is the fullness of joy. And in, in joy, there's no worry. See, worry comes from a lack, and in the kingdom, there's no lack. So in him, so, so the next set of scriptures is John 15, where he's saying, he's usually, he's literally using the word abide, but I like the NLT version. But the word abide, I, I did a, a study, and it actually means to sustain without diminishing. To sustain without faltering, without losing anything. It actually means to dwell. So abide, he's saying, abide in me, John 15, 4 through 9. He says, abide or remain in me, and I will remain in you. Abide in me, and I will abide in you. For a branch cannot produce fruit if it is severed from the vine, and you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. Yes, I am the vine. He's the vein, too. He says, yes, I am the vine, you are the branches. Those who remain in me, those who abide in me, and I in them will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Anyone who does not remain in me is thrown away like a useless branch and wither. Such branches are gathered into a pile to be burned. But if you remain in me, if you abide in me, and my words remain in you, you may ask for anything you want, and it will be granted. When you produce much fruit, you are my true disciples. And it says this, this brings great glory to my father. I have loved you even as the father has loved me. Remain in my what? Love. You're not a disciple till you make disciples. Many of us, we, you know, I, I know guys out there want to call themselves disciples, call themselves apostles, but they have no fruit to show for it because they're not abiding in God. See, abide is to dwell. And many of us have stopped pursuing encounters because one, it either got boring or two, we never had a strong enough encounter to call us to come back. When I go to a restaurant or I go somewhere really great and it's, it's amazing, not only do I want to go back, I'm telling everybody about it. Yeah. Like, you've got to go to this place. Nicole and I were talking yesterday, and um, she asked, I prayed for a guy. She's like, well, what happened? I was like, well, you know, he has some stuff going on with his ankle, stuff going on with his foot. I was like, well, he's a little embarrassed. He really didn't want the prayer, but he just kind of tolerated it. She's like, well, what happened? I said, well, all the foot on the side of his, all the pain on the side of his foot that was there, it was a three, it went to a zero, it was gone. I said, but then he only had pain on movement. She's like, well, what, why, does, why does God do that? And I'm thinking, well, I'm celebrating the fact that God took a pain of three to zero and that now he only has pain on movement. And I don't know why God didn't do that. It may have been he was embarrassed and his pride got, I don't know. I know this, it's never hinging upon my faith. 
It's never hinged upon his disbelief because God, he wants to do it. Now we just partner with heaven. We partner with God and we see things happen. But here's the deal. If we went to a doctor and only saw 10% of my pain go away, we'd celebrate. I'd pay $175 for a doctor's visit, and if I had pain in my foot that was a three, and I went to this doctor and it went down to a zero, I'd tell every one of my friends about that, and he'd be the most amazing doctor on the planet. But when God doesn't heal, all the, when God heals just a little bit, maybe not all the way, now suddenly God's done something wrong. Right? If I see 50 or 70% healing, that's pretty doggone good. And I can't wait to talk about next week because what if you pray for somebody and nothing happens? Nothing. <laughs> nothing. God's still God. The universe still exists and you still breathe. Right? But we're so afraid to take the risk, but we can't take a risk until we've actually, we can't give something we don't have. We can't release something we don't have inside of us. And we can't partake until we know and have a revelation. So intimacy is the key to the encounter because we can't leak until we drink. And drinking is intimacy. So here we are. And, 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 and so many of us, we've stopped pursuing the encounter. We've stopped pursuing. We've stopped going to the secret place with God. But he's saying he wants you to go to the mountain. Matter of fact, in Revelation, he says, come up here and I will show you. Come up here and I will show you. See, many of us, we stop dwelling in the house and we stop going after it because the encounters get boring or they get old and we're feasting off of yesterday's bread. The bread disappeared every day with the Israelites because you can't feast off yesterday's bread. You have to go after them. He says, bring a new song, right? It doesn't mean we're forsaking the old and we're, we're, we're looking down upon it, right? Because heritage is good, but we can't live off of it always. God sees our destiny, not our history. I don't want to remember most of my history. I want to go for the new things God's called me to go. He says he'll show me great and marvelous things. He'll reveal the mysteries to me, right? I want to go after him. Come up here, I will show you. So he's saying, come up to the mountain. Come up. Because every time there's intimacy in the mountain, there's transfiguration. There's transformation. Something happens, you're never the same. When Moses, Exodus 34, Moses goes up to the mountain, he comes down with the tablets, and his face was glowing, and his face never looked the same. Because when you are intimate with God, it leads to an encounter. And in the encounter or the experience, you're never the same. Jacob wrestled with this angel and had to walk with the limp for the rest of his life. But he said, I want you so much, God, I'm not going to let go. I'm not going to let go no matter what happens, no matter what happens in my life, no matter what's good or bad, I'm going to pursue you. When Saul was on this road to Damascus, he was changed so much people didn't even recognize him. It's changed so much that later he became Paul. It changed his name. Listen, when we're with the groom, we have a name change. His name is Jesus. We take on a new name. The covenant puts a ring on our finger. And my wife took on my name when she made covenant with me. She's never known as Nicole Powell anymore. She takes on a new name, and she's never known or looked upon as the same. She's now in covenant with me. We made an oath, and we made vows till death do us part. And now she's Nicole Simmons and always will be. Come on. That's what intimacy does. We make this vow. We make this covenant. We go up, and then it makes us want more. Every day we're searching for the newness. We, we, we ask each other questions just because we want to know each other more. I bought a book of date questions, 100 date questions. Things, has any other husbands done corny things to try to, like, I don't know, whatever. 
But I bought this book on Amazon. It was like 100 questions to ask your wife on dates to get to know her better. So it's like, it starts off pretty simple. Like, what's your favorite color? You know? I'm like, well, I know. I don't know that. <laughs> Purple? That's, I think that's why I don't know that. She's always like, eh, I don't really have one. Right? Okay. Good. Right? Yeah. Say yes. Yeah. Make me look really good right now. <laughs> anyway, there's a name change. And Saul had a name change because, listen, God desires intimacy and it always leads to an encounter. And the goal of this church is to build places where people encounter God, to create a culture, to create an atmosphere where actually we lead people to an encounter with God. Listen, an encounter changes things. I can tell you all day long about the Bible. I can, I can have you memorize scripture. I can, I can reveal to you good things. But until God shows it to you, it's just words on a paper. The difference between knowledge and experience is because it leads to revelation, which is transformation. It changes you forever. An encounter leaves a lasting impression. So the goal, first off, is to lead people to an encounter with God because in that encounter is where addiction falls off. In an encounter, it's where you never turn back to the sin cycle you always struggled with. I know atheists who know their Bible way better than me. They've memorized the Bible. I've had debates. I won't debate anymore. Just to let you know, I refuse to argue the Bible with anybody on the face of this planet ever. Because it's, it's, never, it's never given me any fruit. I've done it. I've done it till I was blue in the face. And here we end up screaming at each other. And this is the love of God. You have to get this. This is love. God is love. It is also love. Right? We've done it, but it doesn't mean anything. So now what I pray is say, hey, just say this after me. Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, you can do it too. Let me feel you. Let me encounter you. Make yourself real to me, God. And I've said that prayer, and I've just led people into that. Listen, I don't, I don't debate what the scripture says. I don't say, well, John 3.16 says this. And this, that's all good because you have to have both. You have to have spirit and you have to have word. The combination of both is power and fire, Right? You have to have both. But in that moment, I got 30 seconds with this 13-year-old in Kay's kitchen. I'm sorry, but I don't have an hour of theology class to give you, but I have one moment to lead you into an encounter. Say, Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, let me feel you. Let me feel you. <laughs> and the whole restaurant bursts out in laughter because of this one encounter this 13-year-old boy experiences for the first time with his father in heaven. I don't have time to debate. I don't have time to argue. I don't have time to teach you the Bible in this instant. We might get there eventually. But what I have time to do right now is lead you to an encounter that will change you forever. So the second thing that the goal of this church is to do is become part of a family. To lead you to an encounter. To lead you to part of a family where you're adding value and you're in covenant with co-believers to actually grow together and do life together. Not just become a member of, of, a, of an organization, not just become a member. You know, we, I could buy a membership and be part of a, a country club, but if I never show up there, it means nothing. Right? And honestly, it may come with a price, but that's cheap. I could buy a membership anywhere. I could buy a membership to the gym. I could buy a membership to a coffee club. I could buy a membership to anything you could imagine. A diet club, a, a whatever, all those diet places. I could buy a membership anywhere. Family is where God's heart is. And the third thing is then to 
train and equip people to impact their world around them. Doesn't mean every one of you have to go to St. Lucia or Mexico. You have people around you that you owe an encounter to. You owe the world two things, to lead them to an encounter with God in a safe place to feel valued. That's where God's heart is. That's what God is. So let's go on, let's go on. We don't need people to come into a nice ministry. We need people to come into an encounter. Say that with me. We don't need people to come into just a nice ministry. We need people to come into an encounter so that they're transformed forever. God's getting rid of confinements of religion and he's awakening a relationship and intimacy with him. That's what he's doing. That's what he's done with me. I was very good at being religious. I was very good at being a good Christian. But I was very bad about leaning into the heart of God. Right? I'm too busy for that. I can't wake up a half hour earlier than I'm used to waking up. Right? It's not possible. Come on. I don't have time for that. Correct? But I got time to sit down and watch Big Brother at night. I got time to watch CSI. I got time to do this stuff at night. But I, I can't spend time with God. Last night I was going to watch TV. And, uh, and I like 24. That is the show I like. And they came out with these 10 episodes. And I think I'm on episode like four. It's on Hulu. Okay? Anybody else a Jack Bauer fan? One of you. It's two. Woo! Good. Because you guys are all climbing up the mountain with God and seeing him face to face, right? Yes. So anyway, last night I had to go to turn that on and God just spoke to me. He's like, no, I want you right now. All right, God. It was amazing. And then I just, through the night, I'm just having these encounters, and I'm just, whoo. <laughs> I wake up today, I'm like, yeah, let's bring it, God. Because my night, because actually my day starts at night. We'll leave that. The Bible says, seek me, you'll find me. See, we don't have to chase signs or people or pastors or preachers. We chase an encounter experience. God don't, you know, he, he don't. He's not a respecter of persons. My eight-year-old is having, my seven-year-old is having encounters with God. I have a three-year-old that sees angels, and she tells us about it. We have it on video. This angel just, we couldn't see it visually. We couldn't see it, you know, in live. But on this video, you see this angel, and they're seers. Two, at least two of our daughters are seers. They see these things, especially Evelyn, three years old. She's a seer. She's seeing these things. And hopefully we're cultivating an atmosphere in our home that leads them to an encounter. We were just talking about intimacy with God last night with them, and it was just amazing. But see, we don't have to chase after a person, and we can't live off of somebody else's encounter. I'm almost done, but we can't live off of somebody else's encounter. We have to go for our own experience. I can't, I can't sustain myself with a Bill Johnson encounter. I can't copy off of a Heidi Baker. I can't copy off of a Leif Hetland. I need my own experience, my own encounter, because I'm my own DNA as a son of God. Amen. We can't live off of yesterday's bread, and we can't live off of somebody's coattail either. Listen, my dad is not going to pave my way to heaven for me, because my heavenly dad did, and I need to meet him. My dad was the pastor of this church, he's the founder of this church, but he isn't going to get me into heaven. He may show me the way. He may leave a good example to help pave the path for me, but I got to choose my own road. And I got to pursue my own encounter. I can't live off of his. I can't live off of my mom's. I can't live off of my wife's. 
That's not going to get me where God needs me. That's not going to get me the ministry that God has for me and he has for each one of you. Because trust me, he has one for you. It may not be right here behind a flame with a microphone in your hand, but it's at a bank. It's at a school. It's at a, a, a hospital. It's at your neighbor's house. It's in your home group. It's, it's everywhere around you. It's at the grocery store. It's at, the, it's, it's at a restaurant. God has a ministry for you. Next week, we're going to talk about taking risks. Say, I can't wait to take a risk. First, we have to get this before we can take the risk because we have to be full and drink before we can leak. And how do we get full? We spend time with our papa. We get intimate with our papa. Let's go here. Talking about the, the encounter leaves a lasting impression. In Acts 4.13, God paints a picture of this. And, you know, here's, here's Peter and, and John. Say sons of thunder. See, Jesus, he had the multitudes, he had the 120, he even had the 12 disciples, he had the three, but then he had one. He had one special guy. He had one that had his heart. He had one he entrusted, the most prized possession on earth. When he's on the cross, he's looking at Mary and Mary, and John is the only disciple there. And he says, John, you take care of my mom. You're the disciple who knows my heart. You're the disciple of love. You know my heart. So he narrows it down. So John became a disciple, a, a, a son of thunder to a son of love. And he was entrusted that one thing. So here we are, and, and John and, and Peter, they're, they're doing some crazy stuff, and the Pharisees are getting a little upset about it, right? And they had this meeting, and, and now suddenly it's almost like they're on trial. They're asking him these questions. You can read it in chapter 4. But then we get to verse 413, and it says this. It says, the members of the council were amazed when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, for they could see... That they were ordinary men with no special training. Listen, they didn't have education. They didn't have a theology degree. They didn't have seminary. You know, the Pharisees did. The Sadducees did. They were well-trained. They were well-versed. They were educated men. But these guys, they weren't educated. They were ordinary men doing extraordinary things. So they had done this. They had performed this miracle. They had healed somebody. And here's, here's what's said. And he says, with no special training in the scriptures, they also recognized, say they also, recognized them as men who had been with Jesus. When you're with Jesus, people know it. When you've been with Jesus, you, it doesn't matter the education you have. It doesn't matter the knowledge you have. People will know, just like they knew Moses coming down the mountain, they knew he had been with God. His face was lit up. He was exploiting the goodness of God all over him. They knew when Jacob had wrestled with the angel, had been with God. They knew when Saul was never the same from the road from Damascus. That encounter, that experience changed him. So, so now you have, so you have Peter and John. And then, it's so funny, because then the, the, they said this. They said, well, we can't do anything with them later on in the chapters. It says, they, well, we can't really do anything with them because there's a mob out there. There's so many people that saw this. That if we do this, we're going to angry them so much, they're going to come after us. Because listen, when we've been with Jesus, then we do great exploits. When we've been with Jesus, we're not a double-minded man anywhere that's wrestling between us. When we've been with Jesus, we've had that experience, that encounter with God. Now we're doing great exploits. We're doing the supernatural things because that's what God wants us to do because he wants to do it. Amen. Yeah, that's right. 
Raising from the dead was the last thing Jesus did himself. Everything else he's entrusted us until he returns. But we got to know him. And then the reason for the exploits is to prove the goodness of God. Listen, I don't need a miracle to prove the goodness of God in my life. But it backs up everything I'm saying. It backs up everything the word is. It backs up everything that God says about himself. That's the point of the miracle. It's to bring people the proof and the, the existence of God, but also to reveal his goodness. His love's there whether he heals this person or not. His intimacy is there whether he, he allows me to prophesy or not. Everybody say amen. So anyway, so you have these two yahoos, and they're just going and doing crazy things, and they can't do anything with them because now it's going to be this angry mob that just gets so, because they knew that was God that did that through them. That's what happens when we're with God. That's what happens when we're, we're known after God's own heart, right? All right, I'm going to skip this set of verses. I was going to read Luke 7, 36 through 48, and it's talking about where Jesus goes to have dinner with the Pharisee who invited him. Really, it was kind of a setup. And I preached a message, a whole series, like six messages or something on family last year. And the first one I started with was the dinner table. How dinner table, the dinner, that intimate time, even when we go, when my wife and I started dating, the first date we took was Pizza Hut. I'm a man of class. 17 years old, I took her to Pizza Hut. The problem is, my buddy didn't show up for the double date. So now here I am with two girls, and Nicole thought I was here for her friend, and then she hated me and wouldn't go back out with me for a whole nother year. <laughs> True story. We went to Pizza Hut. My friend from Portsmouth, Ohio was supposed to be in with her friend Amber. We had this double date set up, and then suddenly, Chad couldn't make it here in time, so Nicole and I and Amber end up being together in a booth in Pizza Hut, and somehow the way I sat in first, and Amber sits next to me. And then Nicole sits across from me. So then she went home, told her mom how much she hated me. I'm a jerk, and I only wanted to be with her friend. Now here we are. <laughs> but God. Everybody say, but God. <laughs> so anyway, here, here's, here's what happens. You, you have this disciple. This lady's washing Jesus' feet with perfume and oils and, and with her hair. And she's weeping, and she's crying in tears. And then the disciple says, you know, well, why, you know, what's going on here kind of stuff. And Jesus says, well, if I gave a person's debt of 500 or 50, who would love and appreciate me more? This is paraphrasing. It's just in there. You can read it. And, and the disciple says, well, probably the one that you forgave the more debt to. And he says, this lady, she has a horrible background. She has all this sin in her life. And here she is. She's weeping. She's crying over me. She's washing me with oil. See, listen, we got to keep our lamps full of oil for the intimacy of God. The oil keeps burning, and the oil's the intimacy of God. So, so suddenly at the end, he's like, but you haven't shed one tear. You didn't even hug me. Listen, God wants the embrace. He wants the hug. He wants the intimacy. He wants the alone time. And this lady, she gave it all. She's, look at this. She's extravagant in her worship. She loves me. She cherishes me. And I've forgiven her all. See, John, why was it John? This is it. Why was John, why did he become the son of love? Why did he become the apostle, the disciple that was the closest to Jesus' heart? 